Welcome to Life Club. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Nate Camp. Nate, are you ready to do this? LFG, George. LFG, let's go. Nate is the managing partner of Curate Partners Mid-Atlantic Region, their leading provider in talent solutions for the digital tech industry. Nate, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Thank you, George, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I am. Uh, I live in the D.C. area, just outside of D.C. In a, in a town called Reston, Virginia. I live here with my wife, uh, my three kids, uh, Michael, Benjamin, and Caroline, and uh, our dog Brody. Um, and uh, I, I will tell you. So I've been I've been in this whole industry for about 16 years. Um, it's uh, it's a it's an interesting space. Uh, we're dealing with people as our product um, and you know, I think a lot of people get sort of bored of their jobs, bored of their industry over time. And this, it couldn't be the farthest from the truth for, for what we do here. It's a, um, you know, things evolve, people evolve. I can tell you that the, uh, the pandemic has changed a lot of things. Um, and I think I just enjoy it because uh, after 16 years, I still run across situations I've never seen before. You gotta get creative, um, you gotta solve problems. And I think that the biggest sort of consistency across you know, all these years is having that people connection um, and, you know, really understanding what makes people tick, have empathy, see the other side of things. And if you do that, you can sort of conquer whatever situation you're in. Nice. I appreciate that. So I've got two kids, Nate, and it's James and Jack, and you've got Michael Benjamin and Caroline. And it strikes me that they're unique. They're different in that, you can shorten and do nicknames for your kids really easily, but not easily for mine. Do you call your kids by their full names? I do. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I do. So Michael is still Michael. Um, Benjamin, we try to keep his Benjamin, but um, we hear people at school calling him Ben. I, I try to correct, but I think at some point, you know, I, I was Nathaniel <laughs> all my life until after college. And I had a, a job where, it was easier to have a shorter name and Nate stuck. Mm. So um, I, I appreciate the longer names. Uh, yeah. Do, you, do your kids like the nicknames or are they? Uh, or, or is each one, Jack each the... one does have a nickname. Uh, okay. Jack, we were calling him baby Jack because he was a baby, but now he's three and now it's big guy Jack. So I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, so Jack is his, his proper name, not his nickname. That's right. Gotcha. And how old are the boys? Uh, they are now six and three. Okay. It's a fun age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Excellent. So talent solutions, what is that? Yes. What does that mean? So um, we, we help companies um, identify and bring on uh, what we call temporary staff. But when we, when we look at temporary staff, we don't really look at, you know, a, a four or six week thing. Somebody's out with a flu. Um, we, we do a lot with project work, whether it's digital or data um, where companies have something to get done over a period of time. Uh, if they do it with their current staff, you know, this is all within technology. Current staff, it'll take years. And by the time they're complete, the, the, it's obsolete and they've got to do something else. Um, and so there's something called staff augmentation where companies will say, okay, we've got X number of staff. We could accomplish this much faster if we added this number of people. But at the end of whether it's nine months, 18 months, um, they don't have the need for those folks. Um, if you bring on full-time staff, it's really hard to then downsize. And so this flexible model 
allows for them to bring in experts, people that can uh, just, you know, roll up their sleeves, get the work done with everybody understanding that at the end of this period, they'll be moved on to something else after the company. Sometimes they stick, sometimes they convert them, uh, but it allows them to have that flexibility. Um, and, and the people that are doing the work, they know that 12 months, 18 months, they've got to find something else. We help them find something else versus people hired in sort of, they call it permanent jobs, you know, and a lot of times people have five, 10, 12 permanent jobs in their life, you know, so this is just, I think, a more accurate and, and realistic uh, structure. How has that industry been trending? Growing like crazy, staying the same? Uh, it, it has been growing, I think, steadily. There's certainly a few blips um, with, with major events in the last 20 years. Um, I think in the last few years, uh, a lot of people, both on the, on the, the candidate side, the, the actual workers and companies uh, are, are much more into, hey, let's, let's make this a staff augmentation arrangement. It's, it's less risk on both sides. Um, it gives people sort of responsibility or the ability to, to choose what they do. Um, and it's a lot, it's a lot faster. You know, I think when, when you want to make a decision on a full-time employee or a permanent employee, sometimes it takes months to find the right person and in a flexible staff model, you know, we can get somebody on board in, in two or three weeks. Um, so I think with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes in the way people um, operate, the technology needed, um, this this model allows companies to, I think, uh, make smarter decisions quicker. My perception would be that younger folks are more interested or would be more attracted to what you're describing. I think that's, um, as far as a population, yes. But I will say even 20 years ago, you had a lot of people moving this direction. And it's something I... It, you know, I respect people that do this. I think it's a it's a fantastic way to go, and it's a way to experience different companies, different cultures. Um, but I think it would be stressful for me. So it's not it's not for everybody, right? Um, but there are people who, thirty years in, have worked in temporary or staff log positions all through their career, and they love it. They love the excitement of it. They love dropping in, being somewhere for nine months. They get really broad experience. Um, I think the younger generation, it's it's interesting because you've got sort of two factions. You've got people that, yes, I want the flexibility. I want that gig work. I want to be in control. Uh, but you've got other people, depending on when they came out of college um, and or, or, or high school or trade school, and depending on what the situation was right then, if they came out during the pandemic or if they came out during you know, the 2007, 2008 financial crisis, um, those those couple years really uh, shape how they look at the professional world and what's available to them. Hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a couple uh, generations, couple pieces where they they a lot of people said, "Hey, this is this is hopeless." And it's not hopeless, but when they came out, it seemed that way, and they sort of moved to whoever can bring them on. But they've got sort of a different feel of what professional life looks like. You know, 50 years ago people would get a job and that's where they were till they retired and they had pensions and that was it. You know, 15 years ago, you had people that, you know, each job lasted three, four years, five years, and they move on to the next. Now we're getting to the place where I think people are, are comfortable moving on to what's next and protecting themselves and doing what's right for their family. And it's a, 
it's an interesting shift over the over the years. It is. It's super interesting. And the whole it's interesting that and it makes sense that the environment you come into when you're going into the professional world, leaving the student world will really have a dramatic impact on what how 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 you view the workplace moving forward and and all that. And then stigmas about job hopping. I think that that that, that certainly has been a thing. Um, although it doesn't really make sense that it would be. But the through lines. I think it sounds like it's really important that you really do need to know yourself and probably as the organization you need to know the kind of person that you're going to bring on. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, um, that's the tough piece. I think about where we are right now, like this, this point in history over the last couple of years, there's, there's been this shift to remote work and, you know, mid 2020, it was necessary. There was no other option. Um, and unless you were doing something where you physically had, to be there, whether it's in the factory or you're you're in service or police or fire, most people um, in the professional world worked from home, um, and that you know was people were thinking first of all thinking two weeks, three weeks max, then six weeks became six months, then a year, and then a couple of years into it, companies, a lot of companies that had said no, no, how remote, moved to remote. Um, you've got companies now that are starting to bring people back in. Um, and it's, it's a tough transition because you're competing with companies that are saying, no, you can be fully remote. And to me, I, I think remote work can really, uh, be efficient. Can, I mean, you can get a lot of work done when there's not all these other distractions at work. Uh, but I think the challenge with it is the lack of physical connection. Um, video, this, this helps, but it's not the same as shaking somebody's hand or sharing a meal together spending some quality time looking them actually in the eyes versus through a camera. And I think that's a piece where um, right or wrong without that happening, people jump right into just working together, but not having that same level of trust and not really physically like, connecting with people. Um, and people don't give the benefit of the doubt to people as much as they did uh, prior to this. There's a lot more contentious things. And I see it across the board. I see it with, people that are managing resources, questioning the work, and then you go and talk to the person, they're questioning the manager. And when you talk to each person, you get their perspective, you can see that it's just, they're just not seeing eye to eye. And it would be as simple as, you don't need to be working with them 24 seven or even in the same state. But I think if, if people can get together um, twice a quarter and, and share a meal, it, it will, change their relationships which changes everything um we do that we every time i get together because I'm, I'm remote and i've got a few people that i work with locally here in person um the majority of my company is up in the boston area and every time i visit them and spend a couple of days with them um, i'm just refreshed they're refreshed and our interactions are so much stronger following that and i think that's a that's where companies i think are wrestling with how do we how do we do that? Um, we just need to bring everybody in. You don't. You just need to have some sort of connection um, occasionally, and that I think will will close some of the gaps. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. And I think that there's. Do you think that that's true just across society and not necessarily even the workplace? The more we could just have a conversation with one another, we'd realize okay, maybe Nate's not as much of a jerk as I thought he was a minute ago. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. I think it's, um, 
I, I think that for a lot of reasons, a lot of things happening, um, we're, we're very polarized right now. And when you don't know someone and you're in discussion, uh, most people's goal in that situation is to be right and to prove the other person wrong. Um, if you know the person, then, you know, you, people tend to side a little bit more with, let me active and let's have a real discussion. But it's, it's an art that I think we've, we've lost um, for, for different reasons from, you know, the information age, having things at, our, things at our fingertips that we no longer need to argue about something. We can just look it up. And so people lose, people lost that over the years. And then we moved to being remotely and not having that, that um, physical connection. And I think it's so many relationships would be stronger. So many situations would, would end more positively if people could just take a step back and hear the other person's perspective, uh, see it from their shoes, empathize with them. Um, I mean, I, I feel like the world's problems could be solved if, if people just took that mentality. You know, if someone's passionate about their feelings, it's rooted somewhere in, in truth or at least in what they believe. And if you can, if you can understand that they are coming to you from a position of um, belief and 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 honest opinions, whether they're incorrect or not, then you can say, okay, let's let's try to rationalize or at least respect the other person. But man, it's it's been declining, unfortunately. Um, lots of factors in, involved in that. It certainly makes sense that that bigger companies probably are going to continue to either utilize the formula that 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 you're talking about, the staff augmentation versus hiring more full time. So moving forward, and virtual is probably going to be a thing moving forward. A lot of folks just in different places. And you mentioned two times a quarter, and that certainly makes sense to me. Are, are there organizations that you've seen, you know, this is really could be a best practice when we do bring these folks in? Is it just for social stuff? Is it for, you know, planning? How, 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 how do you see a successful implementation of that? So I think it's... It's a mix. There, there, a social aspect, yes, um, but I think there should be some team building, um, which can seem contrived. It can seem like, oh, we're just doing this game, but it, it allows people to work together in a fun way. Uh, but then also working, having a having a planning meeting, having a strategy session, and being in rooms with people that you've just met online, and people are rolled up their sleeves, their phones are off, and they're just connecting with the people that they're there with. Um, that that sort of um, vision, that feeling returns with them when they go back to their remote workplaces and they get in the next video call. Like, you know what? We, we work together. We, we, we solve this together as people and it just, it can change. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just, just doing it, you know, it, it's funny. I, um, years ago, um, one of my mentors, who's actually one of the partners at Curate, um, I had, I had just moved into management. This was 2010. And, you know, I was going through what to do on one-on-ones, what questions to ask, how often to do it. Um, you know, should I have a full up? And he, he made a comment that has stuck with me all these years. And he said, when it, when it comes to your team, it's, it's the quantity that counts, not the quality. I'm like, what? You got that wrong. No, it's, it's, here's, here's his thought on it. It doesn't have to be a perfect interaction. Um, it doesn't have to be exactly what you get done. It could be do a one-on-one while you're driving 
to, to the store and, and you're with the person, you're hanging out and you're asking questions, um, just being with that person as people um, is, is just as important as, you know, what tactical things that you got done during that piece. You know, so when it comes to bringing people together once a quarter, twice a quarter, however it's done, um, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to happen. And the more that those things happen, the more people realize, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with someone that's dealing with their own set of problems. And, you know, I, I can see who they are and I can interact with them better. It's, you know, be, be authentic with those people. And that's, that's, I think what um, it accomplishes. It's, it's not, you know, we, here's all the 12 things that we got done while we were together. It's we're together. Anything else beyond that is a bonus. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think sometimes I have a tendency to be too formulaic and say, and this is what we're going to do now. And then we're going to move into the next thing. And I was just thinking about actually driving to the store with somebody that you've been meeting with virtually, but you'd never met. And then imagine you get a flat tire and you need to change the tire with that person. Ultimate right. team building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. We'll just uh, puncture some tires before these meetings and put them in some real, uh, real Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> That that would one hundred percent do it, or pull them completely apart. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you, know, you, know what's, you know what's funny? You say that though. Um, I have found um, in any situation, obviously, you know, you, you don't want to do these things intentionally. But um, some of my best client relationships uh, have begun with early on in the relationships. You know, the first six months or something like that. Something happens that's not good. Uh, we, we screw up. Um, put the wrong person. On site, um, it happened to me early in my career, and it it was just it was it was not a right fit. We all thought it was. Um, I was mortified, and I went to him and I said, "I am so sorry. I will make this right." And we worked our tails off and and found the right person and went you know around the clock till we got the right person on site, thinking maybe I can save the relationship back to where it was or where it was or have a chance. And what it did is it launched that relationship into someone I still talk to today, 15 years later, and we did a ton of business together. And it's sometimes how you interact when things don't go right, because things aren't always going to go right. Um, and if you can own it, if you can be vulnerable, if you can um, apologize and then say what you're going to do to resolve it and then do that thing, then that's where people say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm working with someone that I trust that's going to do the right thing in the face of disaster or, or a, a tough situation. Uh, but I think that's both from the work perspective and then, and in life, you know, if I look back on tough situations in life, person that I solved it with or solved it for, they solved it for me. Those are those strong bonds that you can't get without some sort of conflict, you know, and those, those are opportunities. Yeah. Shared adversity is a powerful thing. Love it. Yep. Well, Nate, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and Curate Partners? Uh, well, George, and th thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, so, we, you know, we've got a website, curatepartners.com. Um, LinkedIn is going to be the best way to reach me. You can email me at, at nate.camp, with a K, K-A-M-P, at curatepartners.com. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. I, th I think LinkedIn's a great connector of people, um, but, but look for us there. Uh, but love to connect with any of your listeners. Excellent. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, so Nate, your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. 
Check out curatepartners.com and then find Nate on LinkedIn. I'll link all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Nate. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.